This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Back of the chest. (coughs) Coronavirus self-isolation podcast. Hello and welcome to Back of the Chest, the lockdown sessions. I'm Chris Hambling and I'm your host for this 10th lockdown podcast, demonstrating our commitment to talking rubbish through the apocalypse. I'll introduce you to the panel after this short message. No paywall, no subscription. Back of the Nest. Fan-created podcasts, videos and articles. Free forever. Now, I practice at that. I used to do that a lot better. Right, on the panel today we have Nicholas Gillard. You alright, Watcher? Watcher indeed. Mike Scott. Hello. Hello, and it's Sam Clacker. Hello. Hello. Alright. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're quizzing later, aren't we, Sam? Oh, we are. Oh, I can't belter. wait. wonder who wins. <laughs> you have to I find wonder. out. <laughs> you have to find out. It's going be, to be, be tense, I think. I can see it being really tight. A lot of smart people on the show this time round, so um, <laughs> got to uh, got to be on my my toes for this. I think a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge on a number of topics. So uh, let's have a little bit of a chat. See how we're all getting on. Uh, so I'm going to start with me because uh, I'm my favourite. Um, got to say, everybody, that I'm finding at the moment, you know, there's lots of illness about, as we know, but I'm really struggling with hay fever. It's just taking the absolute piss at the moment. The weather's turned nice. But can't go outside. But just because I got my windows open, I still have to have hay fever, which seems completely unfair. Um, done my hamstrings driving. Did the first long drive in the car in a long while to go and uh, do some deliveries to the family, and um, that's not really helped. Uh, but I did excitingly uh, discover that if I order from a certain Indian restaurant um, on Deliveroo, if you they got this weird thing going, we they do vegetable pakora. Everyone like a vegetable pakora? Oh, smash a vegetable pakora, yeah, yeah, Nothing. yeah. They're fantastic things, but um, weirdly, the portion size is in grams. So I hadn't really thought about what a vegetable pakora weighs before. Um, but I sort of thought they, you know, they could be maybe a little bit dense. So, you know, I had three options. I think it was three hundred grams, six hundred grams, and nine hundred grams. So 
I went in the middle, safe option, isn't it? You don't want too few pakoras. Um, but it essentially came in a carrier bag, just just over full half, of things. Over half a kilogram, Chris. Come yeah. on, grams. Yeah. They weigh nothing, do they? So that, that, that's a lot of pakura. It is. It is. <laughs> that's some deep fried <laughs> shit right there. Yeah, it was. There was, you know, three meals worth of pakora, <laughs> and um, yeah, digestively, we're not going to go uh, full preview show. Um, and, um, and spoiler alert, if you haven't heard it, but um, it's more um. Uh, Eschatological, I think, is the phrase, um, or just scatological. I can't remember which one is it. Might uh, you might know, Nick? I thought you were trying to say escargot. To be honest, no. no. Um, anyway, no. Um, yeah, it was it was heavy on that talk. So I'm not going to go any further. But that's literally been the highlights of my week. How about yourself, Nick? Well, I made uh, an Indian dish in the week. I made chickpeas with messy leaves, and I got down to the nitty gritty making uh, an onion kind of pasty base with garlic and uh, ginger. Took ages cooking it. Everybody else loved it. I hated it. I really hate cooking stuff and not liking it, but they want me to do it again. I I won't because I don't like it. Um, Yeah, no, other than that, it's all right. I've eaten about seven cakes that we've made. Uh, We're all putting on loads of weight um, and started to cut each other's hair this week. Which doesn't always turn out well, does it? No. But I really wanted to ask Mike because, obviously, being a punk, uh, they they don't like the hippies, uh, you know. So legend goes. So, what what are you doing, Mike, about keeping your hair short? Are you just hacking at it yourself, or are you just gonna? You, you know, you're quite right, Nicholas. You never trust a hippie in any circumstance, <laughs> as no effects would tell you. Um, I always cut my own hair. To be honest, I used to. Uh, you know, I've had various colours and all that kind of stuff, but um, um, yeah, after a few years, not bad at it. Um, so I, I don't really mind um, not paying someone else to cut me. Do you use um, pinking shears for a kind of wavy fringe or anything like that, or pinking shears? Yeah, you don't know what pinking shears are. Look it up after the show. I might be showing my age here again, but you know, yeah, some I listeners will know what I mean. Feel like you are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Nick, I've forgotten what the contrived thing we were going to do before I went into Mike's. Uh, um, we were yeah. talking before the show about Alexa listening to Sam in the bedroom. That's all I can remember. Um, but there was something about it being the 10th lockdown podcast. Oh, yes, it's the 10th lockdown podcast. How many do you think we'll get to? I reckon we'll do 36 before anything's gone. Seriously. Before lockdown is lifted. Yes, lifted. Lifted. And then we, Mike, yeah, Lighthouse Family. <laughs> Does it work if you do it like that? that? That was fine, wasn't it? Yeah, well, just so just before the show, Mikey got um, mentioned the word lifted and instantly I was thinking Lighthouse Family. And then I asked everyone if I'd already told my Lighthouse Family story on the pod and um, nobody was quite sure. So if, if I have done, I'm sorry, people. But um, my, my lifelong friend, Rob, um, it's a terrible taste in music. His favourite band was Lost Profits, so you know that didn't work out well for him. Um, but he also was partial to the Lighthouse Family as well as that one Savage Garden album. So you know we're talking about a man with no taste. It's Paul's Liverpool, yeah. you know that kind of. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you get it. You get the kind of guy. Um, he bought tickets ostensibly for his mum for her birthday um, for Wembley Arena for Lighthouse Family, and he got a letter through um, to say he was having his money back. Uh, they cancelled the show because pre-sales had been poor, very poor, to the point where there was only 14 people that had bought tickets for a Wembley Arena show. 
Oh man, that is that is seriously impressive. But they do only have the one song, really, don't they? Or the two songs that sound. There was Ocean Drive as well, but it was essentially the same song, I think. I, I was going to talk about my experience having coronavirus, but now we've, we've wasted it talking about fucking Lighthouse Family, haven't we? Well, I'm I'm, I'm disappointed in them because my mate went to see Uriah Heap um, somewhere, and there were fourteen people in the audience, and they ploughed on regardless. You know, I think I think it's unprofessional the Lighthouse family to yeah, I mean, not lose all of that money. How many does <laughs> Wem- how many does Wembley Arena hold? But I think about twelve thousand. I've yeah. played to a lot less than fourteen people in my time. Don't yeah, I'm sure I'm sure many listeners have. So, um, Mike, you you almost one hundred percent certainly have coronavirus, right? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure. I was just coming down with a cough last week, so I didn't mention it. But um, then my breathing got tight. Um, a little bit achy, so I mean, I'd be very surprised if I didn't have it. So, um, I think today or tomorrow would be seven days. Uh, I'm going stir crazy, but um, it's been very mild in fairness. Um, and if, if people get it mildly, you're, you're really up, you just feel like you've walked up a few flights of stairs. Um, the, the, the thing that's most ruined me was having a pizza, um, from Papa John's that that put me out of breath. I guess I don't know too much, too much. Of that terrible coconut cheese they use, um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's not bad. Other other than a bit achy, so hopefully people that have got it or will get it won't have it any worse than than I've got it. Well, they I, they haven't done any studies that I've seen um, linking the worsening of the effects of coronavirus with vegan based pizzas. So um, important work that you're doing there, Mike. I think um, Sam. Yes. Pre-show, we had a little bit of a chat, um, and you know, the question was asked of producer Mikey as to whether or not he was concerned that you know he's got several Alexas in his house, and whether he was concerned about them listening. Now we all know Mike Mikey is quite boring, and therefore nothing interesting would ever be said in front of one of the Alexas. However, you then revealed that you have, and these were your words: you've got an Alexa in the kitchen and an Alexa in the bedroom, so it knows everything. Would you like to elaborate? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. She definitely knows that I cooked a delicious shepherd's pie this afternoon. Yeah, that's 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 yeah, that's sure. exactly what she knows. Good, she knows she in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I don't have one. I, I'm I'm still convinced that they're a fad. I told Mikey ages ago when he first got one to replace his uh his his lack of a relationship at that time. And I said to him, they're a fad, mate. I'm not getting one. And I'm sticking to that even in the, you know, with the evidence of quite a lot. Uh, uh, you're, you're wrong. They're brilliant. You can control your lights. You can control your heating. We've got a Google Home as well. And yeah. uh, it, it shows us who's at the door so we don't have to answer if we don't like them. It's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I can already control my lights and my heating. Like, I... You've got that big stick, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the light switch as well. You can just chuck stuff at them until you until they turn off. It's fine. It's all fine. Um, yeah, all right. Well, fine. It's not a fad, I admit it. Anyway, um, quick little uh, reminder to download the Pitch Sport Football app. Uh, if you just Google Pitch Sport Football, find the website, download the app there, and join us on there. Um, obviously, football is not happening at the moment, but they're you know they're they're fantastic people. They're continuing to support the show uh, throughout this period, and we'd very much like you to support them uh, as a reward for that. Um, 
you can still sort of predict on their uh, speculative games where they're, they're playing out the season using Football Manager. Um, Palace not doing so well of late. They lost 4-0 to Leicester last week and 3-2 to Chelsea this week, which is devastating. Um, but there you go. Uh, and if you want to add me on there, my code is K-U-G-K-U-T. If you want to get in touch with us, you can still send WhatsApp voice messages on 0203 575 uh, Instagram is at back of the nest CPFC. Twitter at back of the nest. Um, and everything else is pretty much back of the nest. Uh, email hi at back of the nest.com as well if you want to get in touch via email. And don't forget to review us on your chosen podcast app. Five stars, please, but write whatever the hell you want. Right, should we crack on with a bit of football chat? I'm going to hand over to you, Mike, since you wrote this show doc this week. All right, well, let's uh, let's start with our team of the decade that we've been working through. So uh, the forwards, um, the option was uh, a vote between Glenn Murray and Christian Benteke. Uh, Glenn Murray took 86.1% of the vote on that. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest uh, margin Overall, um, this week, slightly different. We've got a three-way vote. So this is for the wingers. So uh, we're doing both at the same time. So it's Balassi and Zaha, Balassi and Townsend, or Townsend and Zaha as the options. Early winner is Balassi and Zaha. So uh, your thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, on those two bits of statistic? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that Murray won over Benteke, but again, I talked about it a little last week. I don't think that it should have been that high. If you look at what Murray did for Palace in the Premier League, with you know their circumstances around that, obviously with having to recover from injury and not really being trusted by uh, at least two managers, I would say, before being sold on. But he's held in very high esteem and for good reason. He's still playing in the Premier League now. Um, but but you know Benteke's first season, I think, is de- is deserving of a lot more respect. Um, as is the effort he's put in when the team hasn't been playing to his strength as well. So, But there's no denying his, uh, his goal-scoring record over the last few years is is absolutely appalling, uh, and that had an obviously big effect. So Murray takes the lone striker role. Um, but as for the wingers, I mean, I'm not surprised that Balassi and Zaha are way ahead. Um, they're my choice as well. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of fondness for Townsend that's been talked about over the last uh, couple of shows that we've done as well. So, um, but yeah, not surprised where that's going. Uh, I am, um, I definitely with you on the Balassi and Zaha one. I'm just trying to think of any other wingers other than the three that we've mentioned that, that could fit in there. Punch. I'm, I'm really, really struggling. Punch, yeah, but it's, I, I, I like Punch, but I fell out of love with him a lot sooner than everybody else did. I think, I don't know, maybe it was because he scored a hat trick against us in a Millwall shirt that puts me off. I, I actually voted for Benteke simply because Murray's playing playing for Brighton, which is really childish. But I think Benteke has been more important for us in the Premier in the Premier League. Uh, Murray helped get us there, so that's the difference really, isn't it? It is indeed. What do you reckon, Sam? I mean, I'd probably go for Murray just because of his prolific goal-scoring record versus Benteke's and also Benteke was a lot more of an expensive player for the amount of goals he scored very very valid and I doubt I doubt you're going to deviate from the Balassian Zaha on the wings for the last over the last 10 years nah they win for me good answer indeed well there you go get your votes in on on social media over the course of the next week and we'll deliver those results for you in the next podcast 
the next review podcast. Um, and next up, it's uh, well, everyone's been shouting for it. Uh, you know, email after email, tweet after tweet, IG after IG. God, we just want to know Nick's favorite all time Palace 11. And Nick, if I may ask, can we uh, have a slight pause and discussion over? Should we say most of these selections? Not all of them. Some of them. Some of them I understand. Well, but um, I'll when, let you crack on. When you hear my little precursor to, to my list, then you'll understand why some players may not appear there. But it, it's it's a very personal list in players that I've loved going to Sellers Park to watch. So they're not necessarily always the best players, but I've just enjoyed watching them play. And it's personal. Um, a few you'll agree with, disagree with. Some people have been left out for some reason, for, for reasons which I'll explain. Might seem a bit strange, but... Sorry, Nick. Can I, yeah. can I just ask for you to do a little intro to it that says, Nick's all-time Palace Eleven. This time it's personal. <laughs> In a denim advert, Nick's all-time favourite Crystal Palace Eleven. This time, it's personal. <laughs> I didn't, didn't say do a weird sort of almost New York accent. This time, it's personal. Let's get a cup of coffee. <laughs> anyway, um, crack on. Crack on. Right, in goal, John Burridge. Now, my dad used to take me to football in the 80s, and we used to get there just before kickoff. That was until John Burridge arrived on the scene, and I would insist my dad would take me early just so I can see John Burridge with his warm-ups. Um, another reason that to include him, other than him being very, very good at a good time for us, I was about eight or nine, so just falling in love with football. Um, he still likes us now. Um, it was between Burridge and Martin, and Martin's just always going on about Leeds on Twitter, so I thought, no, let's go with Burridge. He still likes Palace. Right, I've got back four. Eric Sansom. Eric? Uh, Kenny, Eric Sanson, I can't Kenny, believe me. What's happening now? Kenny Sanson, Eric Young, Mamadou Sacco, and Nat Klein. Can I? Sansom. Yeah, 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 go on. Sorry. Go on. Sansom, uh, first kind of, well, second superstar I saw at Palace, but he just seemed better than the rest of the team. I was heartbroken when he left to go to Arsenal. Um, played for England um, while he was at Palace, which was a very, very rare thing then. And um, he just had everything. And um, hit, hit with me sister as well. It was quite a looker. So um, she she helped me pick this. Um, Eric Young's in there just because he was in that team that finished third in the league. He epitomised everything. And uh, he just went about his business, kept himself to himself, but you didn't mess <laughs> with him. Um, Mamadou Sacco, yeah. I'd say people would be surprised, but He's entertainment. He's why we go to football. He pulls off two or three moves a game and you think, wow, a defender shouldn't be doing that. And I thoroughly enjoy watching him do it. It's worth the one mistake a game, I think. Yeah, um, on that, I can't remember. I'm really sorry. I didn't remember who said it on Twitter. So uh, apologies to the person who did, if they're listening, which I'm sure they are. Um, but they said that thing that gets said about Sacco that I've said myself where, you know, okay, he makes, you know, makes one or two mistakes a game. It's actually, when you think about it, it's pretty rare that anything that we categorise as a mistake has actually led to a goal. You know, it's led to some difficult moments and maybe maybe a shot at goal or, or maybe giving away a corner or something like that. But 
generally speaking, when we talk about him making mistakes, they don't actually always lead to something. Does that seem fair? Because no, it's it's like people say sublime to ridiculous, but it's more sublime to peculiar. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Go. <laughs> um, Klein came through the ranks, uh, one of our own, and it was a shame to see him go in the way that he did. But it was good to watch his career trajectory. Uh, including England and and playing for Liverpool. Um, I didn't want him back when we were touting him just after seeing Wilf tear him apart when the Bournemouth fans took the mickey. So, yeah, that's the back four. Any thoughts on that? Anybody else? Mike? Uh, I I think it's interesting that I think now you're the fourth person to do their favourite 11 and Nathaniel Klein's been in all four, I believe. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not exactly being blessed with right-backs, have we? The sort of superstar right backs. Okay, on to the midfield. Patrick predicted that I'd name this person, Jeff Thomas. Um, brilliant captain in Palace's best season, possibly best period. I know we've we've kind of had a longer longer time in the top season, but he just epitomised what Palace was all about. What nearly made him not be included was the fact that in the FA Cup final against Man United, he pretended to lift the trophy. Um, and I think that put the bock on us for the replay. Um, next up, a lot of people will be surprised because he wouldn't feature in a most skillful or best Palace player 11. But just because the last sort of 10, 15 years, he's always been there or thereabouts. He's Johnny Williams, the player that could have been and should have been. When he first broke through, Chris, how highly did you speak of him? Massively, yeah. I mean, when we if you think about, you know, Wilford come through, hadn't he? And everyone was talking about who the next one was. And I remember having um, our then um, academy centre back uh, Dan Pringle on the on the show, um, and he just said to us, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm playing with with a kid called Johnny Williams at the moment, and he will be the next big thing." And you think about when he actually came through, and it's a, it's horrible to think that probably the the absolute apex of his his career you know the zenith if you like was very early on when we beat Brighton 3-1 at the Amex where he ran the game as a an 18 or 19 year old yeah just absolutely sensational in that match and you're right it's what should have been and what could have been um and that kind of makes it all the more sad I mean I can't possibly support him being in an all-time best Palace 11 but I understand the kind of sentimentality and kind of wistfulness around that thinking and what you know if he'd not had any of those injuries the majority of which were nothing yeah. to do with him and everything to do with him being kicked all over the place over, over the place you know you know people talking about him being injury prone but that only came through after being badly kicked about um but you know I, yeah I, I kind of understand the thinking but it, it is definitely a surprise yeah, but i told you it was personal didn't i so there you go um Peter Taylor is uh, a winger for me there. Um, the first here, I, I first went in 1976. Now, Peter Taylor, I really wanted him to do so well as a manager, but this is him as a player. The old third division, tearing up the wing, leading that cup run, scaring first division defences, and one of the you know rare breed of players to play for England albeit only three or four times, while still being a third division player. Um, he was the first player that I had pictures of my wall of, on my wall of um, when I was a lot younger. Um, 
Wilf's in there as the other winger. I'm just going to skip over that. Up top, very, very difficult. Um, but I've gone with Wright and AJ. Um, yeah, same Because they're both players. Peter Taylor as well. Peter Taylor, um, Wright and AJ and Wilf, all players that when they got the ball, you kind of stood up a bit more because you thought something was going to happen. With AJ, it was every time. I mean, how many penalties did he win? Simply because he was so good. He got called a cheat in the end, but he wasn't. He was just so bloody good. And right, he he didn't do his copybook any good with all the badge kissing and stuff. But the feeling I had when he was playing for us, we felt unbeatable for that couple of years. Um, and he was just a pleasure to watch. So it was a good bit of success for us. Um, I've got underneath here, shout outs to Claude Davis because we'll never see his like at Sellers again. He ju- you just never knew <laughs> what was going to happen. And, and Norman Hunter died sadly this week. Um, Claude Davis is kind of bigger, beefier version of him. Um, Sean Scannell, I've written down for the same sort of reason as Johnny Williams. I really wanted him to do well. And I know um, Dougie Freeman spoke very highly of him. Um, Andy Gray, I've put in simply just because of that performance in the semi-final I forgot what a brilliant player he was and Clinton so that's it that's my personal Palace 11 yeah. great shout out I mean Scannell you know, I see what you're saying about that I mean he I think the only thing that really held him back was he, he's a very laid-back person you know off the pitch um and I think he had all the talent but um I just yeah I think there was just something just that little sort of percentage extra that you need to sort of fulfill that that level of yeah. talent um shame he didn't kick on that a little bit more but an interesting list and you know just to pick out peter taylor again it's it seems insane to think that a third division player was playing for england but you know he was that good never saw him myself but you know you go back and watch some of the old games that he was playing in and look at the career that he had uh he was a phenomenal phenomenal left winger um yeah, yeah, and in, I mean that as a four, Peter Taylor, Wilf, AJ, and Ian Wright would would destroy most teams, and it'd need to because we'd have to pretty much bypass a midfield two of jo- Jeff Thomas and Johnny Williams. Um, I think Jeff would have to do a lot of the work. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of team cohesion or tactics. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 absolutely right. Anyway, uh, back over to you, Mike, to take us through the the next talking point. Well, <clears throat> Nick alluded to it there, so. This week, the club, I'm sure you're all aware, um, have tried to add a bit of Palace drama to our lives by showing the 1990 FA Cup semi um, against Liverpool um, on uh, Palace TV. So, the majority of us watched it, if not all of us. Um, and it, it was my first watch of the Obviously, I've seen the goals before, but um, watched the whole thing through. Very interesting Um some Palace players I've never really seen play properly before. Um, I've only seen little bits of Andy Gray, so that was that was very interesting. Uh, same with the Liverpool team, to be honest. There's some amazing names in there. I've uh, never really seen Bruce Grobbler. Um So all in all, I think it was an inspired move by the club to uh, to put that game on again. Um, let's have your thoughts on the game, everyone. And and as well, um, it reminded me of uh, the best TV advert, in my opinion, of all time that involved Alan Hansen. So uh, I'm going to get producer Mikey to just play that one through before you talk about it as well. This is the amount of work Alan Hansen has to do to afford the McDonald's quarter pounder. Very 
very poor. The McDonald's quarter pounder, 99p. I mean, th- that match, the first time I... It was my first Palace match, basically, as I've said a number of times on this show. It's the, it's the match that made me a Palace fan. Um, and obviously, it set the bar very, very high. And I've often said, if I knew the full context, uh, maybe I would have gone a different way. I don't think so. But as far as performances go, it, it is absolutely astonishing. And seeing it again just brings that all back. You think about... We've had a lot of talk, haven't we, about styles of football this this you know, season that's currently on pause, um, you know, particularly on this show, myself as well. Uh, one of the, the the biggest sort of proponents of the fact that I'm not not been hugely satisfied by how we've approached the game, but it kind of hit home. If you look at the the goals that we scored and the way that we operated, it wasn't about playing good football really. It was about being just working so much harder than everybody else and. That's what that team did. And obviously the following season finishing third. And I'm not, not saying there wasn't quality because there was so much talent in that team as well. You know, and there were spells where we played some some nice stuff. But, the, you know, the real genius of that team that, that Koppel put together was that they worked so incredibly hard. They were so demanding of each other as well. You know, there was no hiding place on that pitch for anyone. You know, if you know, you think about how tough your opponents are. That the opponents were never tougher than the teammates, and that's what drove that team on to to great things. And the the just the euphoria and the the inevitability. We've talked about that as well. Going back to Cristian Ball, that in that game it was the inevitability inevitability of us getting back into it, um, and it was it was just inevitable that we would win that match. It just it was just unthinkable. You know, even when we were were three two down. It just didn't feel like that we were going to lose. Um, astonishing. The performance from from Andy Gray that you highlighted, Nick, was just ridiculous. The, f- the number of fouls, I mean, he wouldn't have stayed on the pitch in the modern game at all. But <laughs> he, just did n- he just did not stop. And just no pause at all. No pause on anything. He was just hurtling around, giving every single ounce of what he had. Uh, a truly, truly inspiring match to watch. But you've got to think about the context of it. Um the year before, I'd gone into work one morning to find the office covered in back pages of new newspapers that said 9-0. And I was ribbed for that for weeks and weeks at work. So, so the fact that we were such underdogs, the fact that we, we weren't seen to have a chance at all. And that Liverpool team at the time were all right they were at the tail end of it but they were fucking brilliant excuse my french and to actually the enormity of beating them it it was just something else i must have watched i taped that game i must have watched that game about a hundred times in the in a couple of years after that and in fact i think the coverage yesterday must have used the same tape because all the way through i was just going sort that tracking out younger younger listeners won't know what tracking is on vhs videos but there were a few lines appearing one would have thought they'd have digitized that match a lot earlier but yeah I, i just got the feeling back i knew the commentary it it was like being taken back in time and I kind of hope that they'll, they'll show the FA Cup final as well to show how close we came to winning that but it was all my it was all being Palace it was all oh, right yeah we had a chance we're going to lose it now like you said being 
two one down or two one up, then three two down. Oh, we're going to lose it. Getting it back to three all, hitting the bar in the last minute. Oh right, well that was our chance. And um, yeah, I wasn't at the game, but I spent most of it, um, especially in extra time, just jeering at Kenny Dalglish because he looked so miserable. It was fantastic. Kind of like Mike, it was my first time that I remember watching it. I was told that I was watching it, but I was four. Um, But I don't know whether it's having um, such a gap between watching football and uh, coming back to it now that we're in lockdown. But did anybody else still get the pain in the chest when we were losing? (laughs) I I know what the result is going to be, but it still hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely right. Yeah, you just, there's nothing quite like that sinking feeling in the stomach, even if you don't know the result's going to turn you away. It just, yeah, you're still like, oh, come on, guys, you can defend that. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah. I think before we move on from that, I've just got to highlight a few issues around the uh, the fashion of the era. So uh, Nigel Martin's, <laughs> Nigel Martin's shorts well, Who I wears be- short shorts? Yeah, I can't, I can't believe that he didn't drop a bollock out of one or, one or, or, or other sides of that. Um, his moustache was... I, I I always, in my head, thought that he had a really bushy, big moustache, but he didn't. It was it was a bit of a rat's tail. Um, so that, it was a spiv type thing, yeah. It was definitely interesting. Um, Pardew's curtains. Um, I mean, even then, he obviously wooed the ladies. Special mention to Barry Venison's mullet. Um, oh. I mean that was absolutely incredible. So peroxide made the um, made the guy from the current Tiger show uh, look like he hasn't even got a proper mullet. Absolutely incredible. How he got away with being in the best team in the country and no one having a word with him about that, I've got no idea. Uh, Alan Hansen's hair just coming out the top of his uh, his chest hair coming out the top of his shirt. Um, a- absolutely amazing times, and and no wonder um, that kind of fashion's come back. Um, the, the, the Liverpool training jacket that was just um, garish, horrible colours um, that now is the height of hipster fashion. And our, our butter shell suit jacket thing that people pay loads and loads of money on eBay for now. Yeah, that's that sensational. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit it. I miss, miss shell suits. I do. I do miss them. They were, they were amazing. But also horrible. Though, aren't they? Massive fire Yeah, them. yeah, they are, yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's, let's get on to... Basically, what we're trying to do in, in this pod is actually talk about Palace because in the preview pod, um, and it's not a case of how many episodes of this we do, it's how many you can put up with before you stop listening, listeners. Um, so we're going to try and actually talk about some football because the only football they talked about was um, who would win in the Royal Rumble um, if Palace players were in the Royal Rumble, <laughs> which was a very interesting topic and I did agree with them on it. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's get to the fact that two years today ago, um, the stadium upgrade plans came in. Um, I think we kind of all agree that we, we, we're now putting the um, the training facility ahead of that. Um, but have people lost their faith in, in, in that happening? Um, I mean, we're, we're going to be in the Premier League next season. So any update on that? Or is it just not worth even talking about it? I think Chris Clark mentioned last week that, you know, it, the decision is very much sitting with the council and, and, and it, it's all centered around the compulsory purchase of the houses that are affected. Cause I think they are council houses, aren't they? And um, oh, I've forgotten the road name. That's how long it's been, but just, yeah, in those, those sort of council, there's that block of flats that's affected. If you look at the footprint and maybe a couple of other houses would lose land and all that sort of stuff. But I'm pretty sure that's, that's the holdup. But 
yeah, people are losing faith, and and I think when you think what came before it with the with the plans in Crystal Palace Park that were only really put out in reality to kind of add opposition to a potential Spurs situation, um, I think you know that that disappointed a lot of people because we all celebrated that as something. You think about us celebrating under Jordan with the the ground and club being reunited and it not really being true. I think people have lost a lot of tr- uh, trust in the club on a lot of things regarding the ground, but we just want to see it, don't we? We you know we love Sellers Park, but it needs modernising, and the longer it goes on, the less people believe it will happen. But I believe there's there is progress. It does. I mean, it as somebody who works quite a lot with the planning um, department it does take a long time. And when you see the plans go in, you think, yeah, that's, you know, it's a long time frame to get all those kind of things agreed and um, arranged. Yeah, no, I don't doubt it. And, and I, I, I don't put any um, criticism at, at, at the club or Paris's door on this. Uh, it takes time. Uh, let, let's move on to, uh, Sacco did an interview with uh, a French magazine, Stadium. Um, the vast majority of it, as as you know, as you'd expect, considering the readership are not necessarily full-time Premier League fans. Uh, he mostly discusses uh, PSG and Liverpool. Uh, but the, the translated interview ends with, um, the goal is to come back very strong. I'm working hard to be in top shape. I want to be with Crystal Palace while having the national team in the corner of my mind. I'm only 30. As I say, when you're born ambitious, you die ambitious. So, um, you know, obviously you've got to take translations with a pinch of salt and sometimes as well um, what, what the player meant um, can be lost. Um, but the suggestion is that he he's backing himself to stay at Palace. Um, I, I would have thought he's probably priced himself out at his age of a big old move. So if he did move, it would probably be for lower wages. Um, but I, I would love to see him back. He's, he's just getting his his contract thing in there early, isn't he? And he, he'll want to get as high higher wage as he can. I, I, do you think he realizes how much he's going to lose if he moves? How much are we going to be able to off, offer him? It's all going to be up in the air after the whole lockdown thing's over because we don't know who's going to have what money and where contracts are going to be. Yeah, I think in reality you're, you're probably right. There's possibly a, a an angle in terms of you know, wanting to hear from Palace on another deal, but he's got another year left after, or however, however it's going to work when football restarts. But, you know, there's a couple of things on my mind on that, really. The first is that a fully fit Mamasako is probably still our best centre-back. Um, you know, Cahill's been doing great, but 34, I'm not sure how long he'll play at the top level. Um, you know, Tompkins gets injured quite a lot. Dan is is approaching a latter stage of his career, despite coming back pretty strongly of late. Kelly's been great in there as well, but you know, Kelly's 30 ish now. Um, so I think there's, there's a place for him at Palace, but I think our, our view would almost certainly be that it's got to be worthwhile, you know, keeping him. And at the moment he is still has a high enough reputation for us to potentially get some money for him. And I believe he was actually quite close to being sold. There was some interest. I think I'm right in saying there was interest from Man United at the end of previous season. Um, and and then he, I think I think the timeline is he got injured, but you know, don't, don't quote me on that. But there was definitely interest from other clubs anyway. And you know, wage bill-wise, he's on big, big money. 
Um, and I think with the strength we have at centre-back, it would probably be one of the first things we would do if we could choose who to sell would be to get some money back for him and to get him off the wage bill. But, you know, if the, it's a good thing if he wants to stay at Palace. But again, I suppose staying at Palace doesn't necessarily mean a new contract either, does it? It could just mean seeing out the last year of his contract uh, and then bumping up those wages by moving on a free as well, if I'm being a bit cynical. He's always struck me as... Uh... As a man that is quite happy being at a club that is not quite at the top level because um, he tends to attract um, the kind of headlines that you wouldn't necessarily want to be involved in. Um, you know, it happened at Liverpool. So I feel like he, he feels that he can go under the radar a little bit more at Palace. Um, and if he was to see out his contract with us, I could see him going to China or somewhere where there's just a little bit less media attention on him. But that's that's my that's my opinion on it, based on zero fact. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to discuss, uh, maybe throw this Sam's way. Um, so, 90 Minutes magazine did uh, the best Palace players um, wearing numbers 1 to 11 and who they thought they were. So, I'm just going to run through them. Uh, at number one, they said the best number one ever, Julian Speroni. Number two, Joe Ward. Number three, Kenny Sansom. Number four, Gareth Southgate. Number five, Jim Cannon. Number six, Scott Dan. Number seven, Attilio Lombardo. Number eight, AJ. Number nine, Jeff Thomas. I didn't think he was a number nine, but there you go. Uh, number 10, Ian Wright. And number 11, Wilfred Zaha. So, um, just for the sake of something to talk about, do you want to dissect that at all? Anything you're not happy with? Number four, I'm not sure about Southgate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've got I've got issues with that list. I'll be honest with you. Um, I know it's you know it's one of those articles, isn't it? Where I mean, it kind of falls apart being a one to eleven kind of thing. But they have sort of sort of addressed that in the text of the article that Punching they're excluding no players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forty three. He's not getting any in anywhere, is he? But I mean, look, it's the best player to ever, wear, you know, ever wear the number one shirt, Julian Speroni. Possibly one of the most iconic, certainly in, in modern times. But best, no, Nigel Martin was a better goalkeeper, um, in all honesty, than, than Julian Speroni. And I don't disrespect Jules for that; he's well up there. But I can't agree with that. The best right back we've ever had, Joel Ward. No, you know, Wardy's been great. And again, in the modern era, particularly the modern Premier League era. You know, he's been an absolute mainstay um, and you don't have huge options. But in terms of best ever, you know, Klein's a better right back than Joel Ward, with the greatest of respect. You know, and I, I really rated John Humphrey as well. Um, and, and Pemberton was 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 pretty solid too. So, um, though maybe, just trying to think whether he wore two or three. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I was surprised at that one. Um, I'm not going to argue with Sansom. Southgate, Sam's absolutely right. See, the thing with Gareth Southgate is he's he's one of the best players ever to have come out of our academy um, and, and possibly the most, well, he is the most England cap player to come out of Palace, isn't he? He's got like, I don't know, end up being England captain, let's face it. So, But he wasn't brilliant until he left us. He was good uh, and he played the majority of his games in midfield when he really excelled as a centre-back after leaving Palace. So that's a weird one to put in there at number four, when I think Andy Gray wore four at times, didn't he? Yeah. Nick, you might remember. He yeah. definitely did. So, 
Gray would absolutely smash that one. I, I'm, I'm sorry, so that one's that one's odd. I'm not going to argue Jim Cannon. Dan's the best ever six. I don't know. I don't, that's a hard one to say. I think Thorn wore six, and he was pretty pretty damn good for us. Uh, and I dare say there's been some other greats wearing six as well. Lombardo, not going to argue with. AJ, not going to argue with. But Jeff Thomas, did he wear nine, Nick? I'm pretty sure he did. Eight or nine. He no, was eight. eight. He was eight yeah, in no, the best, the best couple of years. Nine, wasn't he? Yeah. Bright was nine. And I nearly said Will for uh, Ian Wright was ten. Yeah. So, but other than that, I'm not, I'm not going to argue. But I've argued about quite a lot. Um, but a, no, quite like an you. odd... Yeah, quite an odd article in my view. Just going to have one bit of feedback from Twitter from Reverend Kenneth Howard Bar Bowen, friend. That is an incredible name. <laughs> what? Um, that, yeah. Um, Jeff Thomas was a number eight. So there you go. Um, yeah, he said number eight, not a nine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, let's just have a brief summary, I suppose, of, of some non-footballing chat. Fintons. Mm. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, my my sort of experience of late has been, I'm starting to get. I want to talk, try and talk a bit about the the positives, like looking at the the current societal change, if you like. And I'm not going to get too in depth with this, but I've noticed. I mean, I I'm I don't shy away from technology, but you know, I am. Well, you know, Mike, you're, you're a little bit younger than me. Sam, you're a little bit younger than me. But we're not that different generationally, I don't think. You know, we're from a similar gener- generation. Is that fair? Yeah. yeah. That is fair, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nick, you're a, you're, you're a slightly different... Ge- yeah, you're, you're a slightly different generation as well. But there's yeah. been a massive shift, isn't there? And then, basically what I'm getting at is I get FaceTimes from my nan and my mum um, and now people, we started doing this thing where people are having birthdays and stuff. And now instead of just like being able to send a text for someone's birthday, I have to record a video. So like today I recorded a video for my mate Gareth, who lives in Singapore and he's, he's 40 in a couple of days time. And his wife's like, Oh, you know, you, got, you know, got to record him a video. So I put a, a plastic bag, a face mask uh, on my head and then recorded it like Kenny from South Park, just for my own amusement. But it's sort of, I I'm a bit cynical about it, but I think it has actually opened up a whole sort of new world to people. It's kind of forced people into like a, a different way of behaving like this use of technology to, to keep connected, to keep people, 
you know, feeling like they're still making those connections. And it's likely going to have a permanent impact. You know, I see like, you know, there's the, the you know, the joy in my mum's face when she gets to FaceTime, you know, particularly the grandkids and things like that. Uh, you know, that's really sweet as well. So that to me, that's a positive change. Do we all agree? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I've, um, I'm lucky in the fact that even though my parents are in the vulnerable group, um, we don't live that far away from them. So I have walked over to their house and stood on their driveway um, with a takeaway cup of tea. Uh, So I can still get in contact with them. But even my dad has mastered Zoom and he is not technologically minded at all. (laughs) Quality. But I mean... You know, people are quizzing. We're quizzing, aren't we? We did quiz. We've done quizzing. Um, I haven't joined anyone else's stuff yet. Sam, you put something on the chat not that long ago that you did a, did some sort of evening thing. What was it? Yeah, so we're we're doing um, weekly quizzes with our friends, but we also um, joined a Filmageddon quiz, which is done by the Filmageddon podcast and was incredibly hard. We managed about half marks, but it was a really good quiz. Lots of clips and pictures and um, uh, like theme tune round and all sorts like that. So for for like niche film enthusiasts, that one was really really good. See, I thought film again would be about Phil Mitchell. That'd be amazing. But <laughs> <laughs> I would have been, I'd have been there for that one. Oh my yeah. days! Absolutely. Um, what drug was Phil pretending to be on in this scene? <laughs> um. I've been getting involved still with the old games. So um completed the first Monkey Island um, and now I'm sort of halfway through the second one, the Chuck's Revenge. But what I've realised I'm doing, I'm sitting there with the walkthrough guide. So um, you just think, <laughs> why, what am I doing? I'm, so a game where all you have to do is work out the puzzles. You're sitting there where somebody else has already completed it, written it down and you're just, just following them. So I'm not sure it's the best use of my time, but yeah, I'm proper... The, the old games are just, I mean, I, I know Terence talked about it as well. Um, I haven't quite got to the point where I'm on text-based spectrum uh, football management games, but if we go on another three weeks, I might do. Yeah, I, I tried to play, um, it was a Commodore 64 text-based game called uh, Professional Footballer. And I, I absolutely loved it as a kid because, you know, I had the, the cassette and all that kind of stuff for the, the C64. And all you do is basically press numbers to correspond with moves on a football pitch. And if you and it gives you a percentage of how likely it is to work. And you either win the stars or lose the stars that it gives you. And then you that's how you either progress through your career or get dropped to the bench. And, it, and it's it's appalling. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work for more than about... 10 minutes with the emulator I'm using before crashing, but it was a lovely 10 minutes of nostalgia. I very much enjoyed that. And I'm going to explore that site a little bit more. What was it called again? Myabandonware.com, isn't it? That's the one. Yeah, good stuff. How's uh, my shit footballer doing on your game, Chris? I've, I've been wondering, worried about that all week. Oh, the problem is, right, because I had, I, see, you know, I had two games on the go on FM20. Uh, um, and one is a regular game with the correct game database, and one is uh, a game with my edited database where I need to spend a bit of time editing all the back of the nest personalities into the into the team. And the trouble is, I'm doing really well in the normal one, so I haven't gone back to the other one yet. So at the moment, Nick, you've been spared the the trauma of being made a shit footballer in the Palace youth team. 
but it will happen. Everyone involved in back of the net, including you, Sam, will be involved in my uh, my terrible academy team. And I just, I almost want to play through it by you know you can do the thing where you quit, you retire as manager, and you let it go through a whole you know fifteen years, and then you can you can see kind of the immediate impact of of what someone how someone's career went. So I might do that as an experiment uh, before the next show. That'd yeah. be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be good. I'd dread to think what my uh, what my footballing personality would be like, though. Yeah, I'm not sure there's an option for is obsessed with cats as one of the skill moves. But if can there is, I'll use it. Can oh. you do it live on Twitch? Because I'm a bit bored and I'm sure it'll fill a few hours. Well, watch, watch my screen load for, for like five, <laughs> eight, five or six hours. Yeah, it's something different. On uh, on Mike's point about um, sort of playing a game using the guides, I always thought that Twitch. Um, was a bit pointless like why would you want to sit and watch somebody play games for hours and hours on end and then uh, I started watching my husband play The Last of Us and realized that we were like 15 hours into it and I just watched him play the whole thing (laughs) yeah I've I've never quite done the whole watching other people game thing but um it's it's getting very popular isn't it Shout, shout out to Patrick um, who is missing sports so much in our WhatsApp chat this afternoon. He was asking if anybody else was watching the eSports FIFA tournament that he was watching on ESPN2. He said, I've never even played FIFA, but this is quite good. I think he's yeah, really he, missing real sport. He is. But that's Wilf's playing in that one for Palace, I think. I think oh. I'm right in saying. So. That sounds right. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't, I haven't watched that yet. Um yeah, I had something to say there, but I've now forgotten again. Oh, yeah, I was going to mention um, in terms of, of content coming up, uh, I'm not going to give too much away yet, but we're working on some uh, video content, uh, which I hope everybody will enjoy. That does it involves um, Albert, DR, uh, and Patrick doing some things. And, um, yeah, hopefully it won't be too long before you see the results of that. I think it'll be very enjoyable. So keep an eye out for that. We'll uh, we'll tease it a bit more um, over the next week or so. Hopefully you're thinking, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd say within a couple of weeks it should be ready for you. Right, it's time for the quiz. And here is the quiz master herself. It is Sam. Hello. This week, our quiz theme is Back of the Nest Goes to the Movies. Way. Yay! Oh. With a Crystal Palace theme. Mm. Question one. Fitzhall appeared in the opening sequence of which 1997 film? A. Starship Troopers B. Alien Resurrection C. Fifth Element or D. Double Team I so want it to be Starship Troopers, but it's not going to be. It's a double team porn. I mean, it's got to be, hasn't it? <laughs> it's a Jean-Claude Van Damme film. I just like the title. Oh, quick. Oh, quick. Question two. Ian Wright is well known for his pundit appearances and some questionable Chicken Tonight adverts, but his acting career has taken him to the silver screen. Which terrible Nazi-themed horror film did he star in? A. Puppet Master, Axis of Evil. B. Gun of the Black Sun. C, Nazis at the centre of the earth, or D, werewolves of the Third Reich? I mean, they all sound like I want to watch them to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we're all we're all wrong as well there. Um, so yeah, it's pause. Yeah. Thank God for that. Um, so I think we better revisit question question one. Um, the answer wasn't it? The answer was, of course, uh, Fitzhall was in the fifth element. He was in the sort of the Egypt scene right at the start, um, where it pans past. There's like I think three kids, and he's the centre one. It's quite weird. That's it. I, that's why I started with an easy one. You see, yeah. you so how, how old is Fitzhall in 1997? He'd have been like maybe tenish or something like that. Right. And then, um, of course, question two. I had no idea about. No, needed, neither did anyone else. The correct answer was what, Sam? It's Gun of the Black Sun, which uh, features um, a possessed. German Luger gun that gets refound in the I think it's in the nineties. And and Ian Wright was in this. Ian Wright was in this. Why? So, Sam, are they all real films? The ones you know. <laughs> they are all real. Yes. Right, I'm going to search them all out and tell them. That sounds. Uh, they are all available on uh, either Prime or Netflix at the moment. Oh, it doesn't sound like they're worth paying for, but um, yeah, I'll happily. I don't them. recommend Nazis at the center of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 is, is how long is Ian Wright in the in the one with what if you have you seen it? No, but he his his initial appearance is fifty five seconds into the film, so it won't take right. long to find out. Sweet. Question three: Which player who was in the Palace squad for the nineteen ninety nine to two thousand season turned their hand to film producing for the two thousand and nine Brit flick Dead Man Running? What? A. Clinton Morrison, B. Andy Frampton, C. Ashley Cole, or D. Matthew Upson? Okay. Who didn't answer? Yes. Um, Mike didn't answer, but myself and Nick got the correct answer, which was Ashley Cole, and I, that was literally a punt about you, Nick. Yeah, I thought he's going to be the one with the most disposable income to be able to afford to produce a film, so I used that logic. Andy Frampton, I thought of Peter Frampton. I was going to go with him, for first of all, because it sounds more arty, um, but then I thought, no, the money's got to rule it, so that's why I went for Coley. So a couple of things. Mike, why did you take the Fifth Amendment in this one? Um, I was still deciding whether to go for Andy Frampton or Matthew Upson. Um, and then I, I realised I'd run out of time. Um, so I would have been wrong anyway, so it's pretty irrelevant. And Sam, the choices that you've made there, um, why why Andy Frampton? Where did that come from? <laughs> Just, there's no particular reason. Well, that's that's why I thought it must be him. But <laughs> No one has for no particular reason has <laughs> ever thought of Andy Frampton. There has to have been a specific reason to have thought of him. Just anyway, all right. Goalkeeper, wasn't he? No, 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 he wasn't. No. Also, Matthew Upson didn't play for Palace uh, during the nineteen ninety nine to two thousand season. He was on loan uh, from Arsenal in this season after. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously why I ruled him out. I knew that. Well, yeah, of course. How stupid of me. Ready for question four? Oh, absolutely. Question four: Which femme fatale sequel starred Stan Collymore? A. Species 4, The Awakening B. American Psycho 2 C. Basic Instinct 2 or D. Wild Things 3 Diamonds in the Rough Starred? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see how we did on that one. I mean, which one's got the the most wife beating in it, I suppose? (laughs) Sorry, you got that right? 
Yeah. Basic Instinct, you've watched Basic Instinct 2. No, I just remember Colin Moore being in it and being baffled about the whole thing. Um, it was quite well publicised at the time. He's, I believe he's in it towards the start of the film and gets killed, but spoiler alert, although I've spoiled it for myself and I haven't seen it. So, um, But Species for The Awakening, which one of you went for that? I went for that. Yeah? Have you seen the other Species films? <laughs> um, the first one. Yeah, everyone's seen the first one, right? I didn't know there was four, to be honest. I was amused by the time I got to Wild Things 3, to be honest. There's a Wild Things things 3. I like the tagline so so much it had to be a a wrong answer. What do you suppose they mean by diamonds in a row? (laughs) I don't want to know. Did Stan Collymore uncross his legs in that film, um, Sam? Yes. (laughs) In a very provocative manner. Excellent. Well, I'm still on note then. We're carrying this. Is that why he's known as Commando Colin? <laughs> Upsetting. Let's, 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 let's carry on. Let's move on. Uh, so the second set of questions uh, is regarding famous Crystal Palace fans who star in films. We've moved on from players now. That was I the did wonder around. how you were going to get yeah, on with that this. <laughs> There's no way... That you... You're going to have to just start lying, basically. That's yeah. Right. Uh, so, question five. James Buckley, star of The Inbetweeners, has been a Palace fan for years, but in which project did he star alongside Andy Samberg? A, pop star, never stop, never stopping. B, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. C, Hotel Transylvania 2. Or D, Cuckoo. I mean, I only know what he's not been in of those... Oh, that was correct. Yes. So the answer was pop star never stop, never stop, never stopping. That's oh, it. For fuck's sake, how am I wrong Which... again? <laughs> I don't even know what cuckoo is. Um, um, it does have Andy Sandberg in it. Um, does it's it? It's just fairly bad English, English-American um, hybrids uh, sitcom. I knew he'd never been in Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I'm obsessed by it and I've yeah, seen yeah, it all multiple times. So, yeah. Obviously. I threw Cuckoo in as it's a British comedy and I thought maybe that would, you know, lead you astray. And it did. Damn you. Damn you, Sam. <laughs> uh, and don't forget that James Buckley's in-betweeners character, James Cartwright, also applied for the Crystal Palace manager position in 2014. Good additional fact. Yeah, following Tony Pulis's sudden departure. There you go. Ready for the next question? Oh, yeah, absolutely, I am. Who would it be this time? Question six. Jim Piddock has often worked with director Christopher Guest. What was the first mockumentary of Guest's that he starred in? A, for your consideration. B, A Mighty Wind. C, Best in Show. Or D, Mascots. That's that's out of order, that question, because I think he's been in all of them, and I don't know which is the first. That's why it's tricky. Oh, I've got it right, though. Oh, it's oh I guess. <laughs> uh, the, the law of averages has <laughs> come <laughs> <laughs> well Best done, in Show is amazing, so... It is a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Never heard of it, but I'll take your word for it. Should we, uh, do, you wanna, do you wanna run down the current scores, Sam, at this point, or should we wait to the end? Up to you, really. No, I think we'll wait to the end. All right, okay. Although you are far and away in the lead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Question seven. Bill Nighy famously came to acting later in life. Which film did he star in that features music from the band Ash? 
A. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. B. Shaun of the Dead. C. A Life Less Ordinary. Or D. Love Actually. You couldn't help but get an Ash question. (laughs) It's unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's not thrown me off the scent. It has thrown me off. I can't believe you guys... I can't believe you guys didn't get that. I've completely forgotten the name it's, of the album, but it's like the really heavy album, isn't it? Like, and it's in, in fact three or four different songs. In, in Shaun of the Dead, it is. Yeah. It, it, it's uh, Meltdown is the album, and Orpheus is the bit where they're in the car towards the beginning of the film. Bollocks. Well, I went live less ordinary because obviously they did the main song for that. I knew he was in Shaun of the Dead. I don't even know if he's in Life Less Ordinary. He's not. No. Great. That's why it's a trick. Cheers. Question. Thanks. <laughs> I knew you'd love this film quiz. Uh, <laughs> who's ready for question eight? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting really tense though. I don't know if these guys are going to catch me with all the so many questions left. No, yeah. Oh. We're not, we're not Podium place, mate. Podium place. <laughs> okay, question eight. Eddie Izzard starred in the action comedy Mystery Men with Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Janine Garofalo and Hank Azaria. What was his sir letter? Tony P, Tony Z, Tony B or Tony T? Uh, I mean, I've seen that film a few times. I can't remember. I've had a punt, but um, it's Garofalo. Garofalo. Thank you. Translation. I knew oh, I was going to mess that one up. Tony P was the correct answer. Yeah. See, I said it like Z to fool you. <laughs> See, it's just like, I'm good at this. Yeah. I might as well be answering a quiz in Spanish. <laughs> I know so little so films. I've been really quiet, quieter than usual, because I know nothing about films. Well, Mystery Men's an underrated film, I think. Um, yeah, it's quite old now. Cause... See, I'd go as far as to say that even if you were quite a big fan of films... Some of these may have gone under your radar. <laughs> Just a bit. Especially the one with Ian Wright starring in the film. <laughs> definitely doesn't ha- exist. It's probably a completely different Ian Wright, I'm sure of it now. My anyway. Google searches are very odd this week. Um, so <laughs> we've now got... <laughs> True. We've now got two bonus questions, one of which is a music question. Okay. I was expecting more, more sort of... Hey, the other, the other, hey, there we go. A music, like music question. A music question. Right, so question, question nine. Kayla the Crystal Palace Eagle is a regular visitor to Selhurst Park, but she isn't shy of the limelight. Which American artist's 2008 album cover did she appear on? A, Kings of Leon, B, The Killers, C, Linkin Park, or D, Britney Spears? Not the faintest idea. Is Kayla a celebrity? Yeah. Oh, we all got You're it right. You're right. We all got it right. Kings of Leon. <laughs> yes, um, uh, but it was only the UK release of that album, which I can't remember the name of the album right now. It's always a classic. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got you, somebody, on it, and uh, hasn't it? Well, I don't know. Well, I, knew. <laughs> I don't know either. We'll work that out later. Uh, well, I knew. I didn't press confirm. So, typical. Absolutely typical. Sorry. We're just leaving Nick a bit of silence there, just to chew it. Some radio tumbleweed. That's a Um, great name for a radio station. (laughs) Radio tumbleweed. So this is the last question, yeah? Last question. We're back to films. I'm sorry. Question 10. 
Which film features scene or scenes filmed less than five miles from Selhurst Park? A. The Italian Job. B. Batman: The Dark Knight Rises. C. Mean Machine. D. Made in Mag. Made in Dagenham. Or E. Me and Orson Welles. I mean, oh, why is there so se- several? All of them, other than the one I went for. Was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> that is amazing. How have you? How have you done that? I've still come second on alphabetical order. <laughs> uh, that's that, that's only on first names. We go by surnames. So the correct answers were the Italian job, Batman the Dark Knight Rises, Made in Dagnum, and Me and Awesome Worlds. And the incorrect answer, which Mike punted for, was Mean Machine. It was a trick question. Um, for that reason, there were four right answers. <laughs> and you had to get all four. <laughs> oh, I um, see. So in the Italian job, the scene where, uh, the famous scene where Michael Caine says you were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off uh, was filmed in Crystal Palace Park. In Batman The Dark Knight Rises, Gotham Hospital was actually the former BT Delta Point office building on Wellesley Road near West Croydon Station. In Me and Orson Welles, the facade of the New York's Mercury Theatre was set up in Crystal Palace Park for a scene. And in Made in Dagenham, they used Fairfield Halls as a shooting location. Right, so shouldn't you have put which film and then in brackets S features... No, because then you would have got that it was a trick question. Okay. And I'm not about fairness. (laughs) No, well, no. Yeah. Some would say I was quite far off getting it right anyway. uh... (laughs) Well, well done. Thanks. Um, Anyone want to go through the scores? Yeah, so scores on the doors. So in, what, shall we start with third place? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Joint second. Joint second. Not according to the leaderboards, my friend. (laughs) Is Nick with three, and also Mike with three, uh, but by far and away the winner, Hambo with nine. That's impressive, isn't it? Out of ten. Thank, thanks, everyone. Thanks. And everyone can then feel free to use those wonderful list of films for lockdown. Yeah, I was going to say I think the <laughs> listeners are the real winner here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. That was thanks, Sam. Enlightening. Right, thank you very much for listening. Um, of course, check out the preview show. You should drop uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, check out Pitch Sport Football. And, of course, rate us on your chosen podcast app. And we'll be back again next week. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.